When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the PHLY Phillies podcast. Jamie Lynch, Renee Washington. We got Tyler Zuli behind the proverbial glass that does not actually exist. He's just sitting like three feet away from us, uh, but he's here with us. Uh, and Tyler and Renee did a great job yesterday filling in. Uh, I took a day off to uh, hang with the girls and, and uh, kind of recharge the battery a little bit. I uh, hope everybody is having a great Friday morning as we did make it to Friday. In a minute, we're going to be joined by John Foley, uh, who many of you from uh, Sicko Philadelphia Phillies Twitter know runs the the wonderful account 2008 fills i think you'll be hearing a lot more from john in the coming days weeks months and all that uh, but he's going to join us momentarily uh, but before we get to that renee how you feeling we're now three four days removed from the game and the grieving process is different for everyone i think i'm kind of back to anger has subsided completely and i'm back to the it's kind of sad it's over phase because it is World Series game one night. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This, so I, I compare this to like the dating process when you break up with somebody and at first you're angry, you're in denial, you're trying to make it work, you're trying mm-hmm. to talk it out. And then God, change, forbid, babe, I swear. God forbid they start dating somebody else before you do oh, God, and you're no. like watching them move on and now you're just, it like brings up all the feelings again. That is today. You know, the World Series getting started today. This was supposed to be a show previewing uh, the World Series, the Phillies in the World Series. And now it's that reminder of like seeing your ex move on as somebody else that like, oh, it's didn't work out so you know I was I was good I was I was feeling okay and then today I don't know I think I'll be better after today of like okay it's it's over yeah but, I am um, purposefully not tough. watching tonight <laughs> because I, I, I I'm not there yet I'm going to a concert to check out of the sports yeah. world I watched <laughs> the Sixers last night you know we got the Eagles to get ready for on Sunday but I cannot handle World Series game one game two I will check in and I will watch but tonight uh, I need a me night so I'm gonna yeah. take I'm gonna take the day and like not that. watch the World Series uh, but Greg MC welcome into the chat and yes uh, we are gonna dive into a lot of what Dave Dombrowski and Rob Thompson said Oof. yesterday I actually found them to be vo- both uh, what I perceive to be very truthful honest uh, blunt and kind of gave you the perspective from inside that building. I I like both those guys, and and we'll get into a lot of what they said 
uh, after we talk with John Foley. But let's bring him in. Uh, welcome into the show, John Foley, who runs the Twitter account 2008 Phils, uh, which is a very popular one on Philly's Twitter. John, we got to meet you at one of the playoff games. It was great to meet you. Welcome into the show. Why don't you tell people a little bit about, uh, you know, kind of how you took off on this Phillies Twitter landscape and how the 2008 Phil's account started, because I thought it was a pretty fascinating story. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Renee. Thanks, Jamie, for having me on the show. Um, huge fan. Uh, was, wish we were here under better circumstances, but you know. Uh, so, yeah, <clears throat> I guess the whole account got started uh, circa, circa 2015 when the Phil's, you know, this year is depressing right now. They let us down. But when you think about the real dark days of 2015, 2016, where they weren't even competitive, um, you know, we, we've come a long way from there. But it, but in those years, you know, the, the team really wasn't worth paying attention to. I was trying my best. The Phillies are always a huge part of my summer. Uh, but there was just nothing there. Uh, so I just started live tweeting live tweeting the, the 2008 season. Uh, people seem to enjoy that, um, you know, and just sort of day by day, just uh, gave, gave a little bit of a alternative, alternative universe for people to live in uh, and, and try to help get us through those times. And, uh, you know, and we, we did, we made it through. It's, it's hard to talk about on a day like today, a week like today, uh, you know, maybe a month or two, but um, and John, that's, uh, you know, I've been hearing stories about that. And I think of your account in the dark days and how, uh, you know, bad it was from 2012 to 2021, basically. And it was rough. And, you know, we had to hang our hats on Michael Franco being the answer of this team. Um, right, yeah. And that's kind of in the grieving process. I've come around to, OK, it's not that. We still have a very bright future. We have a very talented ball club. And, and it hurts so much because the Phillies matter again. Um, so I'm like a quarter appreciative, 75% sad. Uh, but that's kind of where I'm at now on this Friday, a couple days removed. How, how are you doing in the, uh, the Phillies grieving process? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm hanging in there. You know, this, this may or may not be vodka. 11 in the morning but that's fine <laughs> whatever you gotta do to get by right i i don't know it, it, it's today is probably not the day to to feel appreciative that they're in the mix and they'll probably be right in the mix again next year you've got pretty much everyone coming back um you know with the big question mark being nola what are they gonna do with reese um but you've you've got a core there that's that's going to be competitive again and it's really it's the highs and lows of being a relevant baseball team again. So it's bad. It hurts. I know everybody's hurting. I'm hurting. Um, but if you step back million mile view, you know, there's worse places to be. We could be in 2015. We've, we've, we've got guys here that can, uh, you know, make another run at it. And, uh, again, that's what I just keep telling myself <laughs> as part of the process. Um, Every Sorry, I was going to say, telling yourself everything's fine. This is fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. Just trying to talk yeah. yourself through it, right? <laughs> right, right. With the, with the flames behind me, this, this is fine. Um, so I do think there'll come a time, a month, two months, certainly by spring training, where we'll be able to look back and be like, wow, that actually was, you know, the way we look back at some of these other seasons um, last year, 1993, 
um, you know, pretty much everything during that, that golden era run other than 2008. Um, you know, you're able to look back now and, and appreciate the fun times right now. It's just, it's just too hard. Um, <laughs> yeah. We'll well, John, I know, I think for me, the hardest thing is, and I've talked to Jamie about this and Tyler about this before is we, it's so hard to get to this point, you know, the NLCS World Series, it's not something you take for granted. It's not something you just expect that's easy to get back to and to get so close and fall short in a series that you, you know, we all talked and had expectations after going up 2-0, the Phillies are going to win this. I think that's what hurts us the most. It's not a series where it was back and forth. It was a series where the Phillies fully were in the driver's seat and dropped the ball. So I'm curious to know for you, you know, where does this stack up in for the Phillies specifically in worst playoff busts, I guess you could say, and losses in the history of Phillies? Uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is the – the hope and the idea that we were up and and blew it, you know, uh, last last year's run, it was magical. It was of course disappointing, um, but you had you had this feeling the entire time that they were sort of cheating death, like they were they were making it through, catching some breaks, um, and you felt like okay, hurry up and win this thing before the magic runs out. This year, up up two zero, uh, I mean. And then, and then coming back to Philly up three two, I think they were at that time uh, the Osmakers had them eight to one, nine to one favorites. That's a that's a different kind of feeling than the disappointment we usually have. I mean, dating all the way back to you know heartache in 1993, you know Blue Jays were Blue Jays were a better team. Houston was a better team last year. This year, Arizona was not a better team. The the opportunity was right there, right there to get back, and then you would have you would have liked their chances against the against the Rangers. So. It's a little bit unique, this this particular pain. Um, you know, for me, just because of the age I was in, in 1993, I think that cuts the deepest. I think nothing will ever top that in terms of pain. And, you know, even though they weren't favored, um, and now, you know, with the benefit of hindsight and, and many, many years to think about it, uh, you understand that that was a magical run at the time as a kid. Uh, just heartbreak that uh that can't really be matched pretty much after that happened yes all any of these other losses are going to be heartbreaking but um it's, it's hard to top that one there's a yeah, you, you always remember your first john and 93 was my first heartbreak uh in the sports world and i'm not sure i'm fully over it you know roger mason for mitch williams what the hell was Fergosi thinking uh but yeah i think we're very similar in age was kind of like right in that prime, like, you know, pre-teen, approaching teen, like, just like sports ravenous kids. And, and then to see that, and I even knew Fregosi screwed up and I was 12 years old. Um, so I'm right with you there. It's uh, it, it, because of what you just said, the fact that they were favored, the fact that they had home field advantage, the fact that they were the better team, it almost hurts more for me than 93 like I had it I had it right behind the 2001 Bucks game for the for the birds um like it really hurt <laughs> because yeah. I, I had convinced myself that beating Atlanta in game three was their world series I was like if you get through this team and over this hurdle they're gonna win the world series and I fully pushed my brain into that pool uh and that way of thinking and and that made it hurt a lot more yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, you bring up uh, the Eagles Eagles Bucks championship game. I would wrap 
all of that, uh, all the, all of those seasons, the, the Bucks championship loss, the Panthers championship, loss, all those early years with the Eagles, that's, that's something different entirely in its own heartbreak. Um, you know, uh, because we didn't have that one Super Bowl yet. Last, last year was bad. I had kids in the house crying, you know, welcome to Philly sports. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I do think some of the sting was taken out of it by, you know, by the birds, at least having that one, that one Super Bowl trophy. And, uh, you know, when it comes, when it comes to the birds, I, I like a lot of people was very much, uh, on board with the, just one before I die kind of attitude. So I got the one. Hopefully it'll be more. Hopefully it'll be one this year. So the birds, their whole own set of heartbreak. Um, but yeah, back with the back with the Phillies, '93, these last couple of years. There's the, there was a lot of disappointment in what we now call the golden era too, right? Because you know, 2007 to 2011, we all think about it as a big party. There was only one championship in there. Um, you know, 2011 devastating loss. I mean, 2010 devastating loss, and then 2011 in retrospect just being the end of the whole thing. Yeah. I still don't understand how the four aces can't win a title. That just doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to me. No, I, I think that's. I think that was the best Phillies team I've lived through. You know, 102 wins. Um, just yeah, that that collection of pitching uh, was something special, and and um, you know just got beat it happens well it is interesting as you guys both talk about remembering your first um obviously in 93 tyler and i were in a little different spot than you guys i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not gonna rub it in your face or anything but it's a little different experience (laughs) but it's still as you even mentioned with your kids last year with the super bowl we all had that experience whereas kids for me actually 2001 when the sixers lost in five to the Lakers after the AI step over Ty Lue. I was in fourth grade at that time. That was like one of my first major postseason mm. memories of Philly's frustration. And, you know, there's there's been absolutely <laughs> – Tyler's letting us know he was born December of 93. Oh, screw you, born, Tyler. I was born in September of 92. So by October 23rd of 93 – sorry to remember to remember the date and remind you guys of it. I was just a weeble wobble one-year-old. But oh, either way – <laughs> All right, we're not aging ourselves way, anymore here. Way. We all have that moment of that first sting and burn. And like my dad was like, this has been 46 years for me. This is nothing new. So you mentioned 93. Obviously this year, what's kind of your top three for all Philly sports? If, if Is there an order that you have of biggest letdowns in the postseason? For all, all Philly sports, I would say a uh, great point about 2001 Sixers. Uh, that gets an honorable mention. I mean, they were going up against Kobe Shaq Lakers. I, I understand now, but that whole run was just so incredible. And I, I was doing this thing. So that's an honorable mention. Uh, yeah, the whole, if I can group together all those McNabb Eagles era uh, losses, I, I think that's something that really deserves an honorable mention too. But I think if I, if, if I had to have a, a top three, I do think this year's in the top three. Um, just because they, they were they were up they were up so big, um, you really felt like they had everybody was hot at the right time. They were rolling, and you know just really had faith in a way that you don't have all the time. Um, like I said, even, even last year. So that's in the mix again. Two thousand eleven, in retrospect, 
you know, not, not just losing the series, but, but Howard falling to the ground. I mean, that's, that's gotta be in the top three. Uh, and then, yeah, I just, I just go back to 1993 where I did, you know, now I don't even want to say how old I was, but it was, (laughs) 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 but but yeah, it was in prime years to feel that pain. And, uh, you know, the first one, first the deepest, uh, like you said, Jamie, so it's hard to top those three. There's a lot of, there's a lot of choices out there. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of heartbreak. Yeah, a lot of heartbreak, John. Yeah. yeah. A lot of heartbreak. Uh, and Greg in our chat is saying that was the most surprising series loss yeah. I've ever experienced. And yeah, I, I, that's fair. And because of the surprise, it led to pain for me. Uh, now, John, one of the things we're going to continue talking about today on the show is the Dave Dombrowski and Rob Thompson press conferences. Uh, and before we send you off, the final one for me, the thing that I thought was the most interesting thing they said yesterday, and I thought they were very truthful. Uh, you know, Dave Dombrowski was like, yeah, we, we chased way too many bad pitches out of the zone. Uh, it basically killed us. But the thing I thought was most interesting was the decision on Bryce Harper and where he plays in the field. Uh, now, D- Dombrowski and Rob both said, you know, look, we have to sit down with with Bryce and talk about where he's most comfortable playing, where he wants to play. Uh, it obviously has a huge impact on the offseason here with not only Reese Hoskins, but, you know, your outfield, your infield, like it's a multifaceted type of move. Uh, if you had your choice and could tell Bryce Harper, hey, I want you back in right field, or hey, you're our first baseman of the future. What does your gut say right now, you know, four days after the season? It's, it's tough. It's a very close call. Um, I, I think I would love to see Reese and his 30 home runs back in that lineup. Can we make it happen? I, so whatever Bryce wants, I'm sure that's what they're going to do if he feels like he's the, the first baseman now. All right, let's keep him there. Let's keep him happy. Um, and figure the rest out. I, I suppose nobody wants Kyle Schwarber in the field, um, <laughs> but you could you could run in, you could, you could run in out, out an, off, uh, an outfield of Harper, Castellanos, Marson Center, Reese back at first. But what you lose is Rojas in center, which was such a reassuring presence on defense. Now at the same time, he looked completely overmatched at the plate. Um, so that's a tough call. Do you want do you want? So basically, you're choosing between Rojas's defense and center, um, or Pache, uh, and you know Reese's Reese's big bat in the lineup. And it's not just the home runs. He's he's one of their more patient hitters. Um, I think up there with Stott in terms of taking taking pitches, working counts, getting the opposing starters pitch count up. It's a it's a super close call. Uh, you know, I, but to me, I just have a soft spot in my heart for Reese. As much as I love Rojas, maybe uh, maybe let him start the season uh, in the minors, getting everyday at bats, and and come back when he's when he's a little more ready. Because the glove is definitely ready. The glove was absolutely ready. Um, but it was tough. It was tough to have him up in a bases loaded spot. Uh, so that's where it tips the scales for me. What, what do you all think? Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons I think the series tilted was Alec Bohm gave Bryce Harper absolutely zero protection in games, kind of, you know, one through five or six there. So I think having Reese back protecting Bryce would do a lot for this lineup. I think it makes you better. Uh, But like you said, I think, 
you know, and I think Renee probably agrees, it kind of comes down to what Bryce wants. He is your franchise. Yeah, yeah. And I I agree with – I know in the chat, Matt Deckard saying, I think Reese is back. Nick gets traded. Scott G saying, I think Reese is walking. I would love to see Reese back um, and, and in, back in a big way. And first base means you're moving Bryce – I do love what Rojas brings on the defensive side, but as we all know, uh, great defense is not just enough to win games, especially if you're not able to score runs, and the batting order and the at-bats in general just need to be better. So Reese is a, a player that was missed this postseason, without a doubt. So, you know, I think it is a very uh, – Greg MC saying it's the most interesting situation. It is. It's like, which would you rather have? You know, do you want to – on which side of the ball are you prioritizing? And I'm not sure that we have those answers yet, but I, I would love to see Reese back – and then just figure out the rest from there, honestly. Um, but, John, love the hat, love the commentary and the work that you're doing uh, with 2008 Phils with a Z. And uh, excited to be able to chat with you more in the future. So, you know, for Jamie, Tyler, myself, thank you so much for joining us here on PHOI Phillies Podcast. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been an honor and uh, be happy to be back, be back on anytime. Appreciate it. Uh, and that is John Foley from, uh, you know, 2008 Phils with a Z, as Renee said on Twitter. He does a great job there. Uh, and, you know, it's, it is going to be a interesting offseason. Um, I, I, uh, I went ahead and listened to the full Dombrowski so that you, the listeners, and welcome in Matt and Greg and Barbara Carroll and, and Matt Deckert and all you guys kind of talking about this thing right now. And let's just get into it because... It, it, it does kind of dictate the direction of the Phillies offseason. Uh, both Dombrowski and Rob, um, you know, said, well, we haven't had that talk with Bryce yet, but in the coming weeks here. And baseball offseason doesn't really pick up until the owners' meetings in mid-December. Uh, so you do have the luxury of a little time before anything really gets cracking. Um, but it is the most important thing because it dictates so much. And as John just said, I'm pretty sure every Phillies fan never wants to see Kyle Schwarber play the field ever again. He is, uh, as Greg in the chat says, your your textbook DH. Uh, So that we can lock in. The question then becomes, do you want Reese back at first? And what does Bryce want? Does Bryce... Did he enjoy playing first base and maybe being more involved on play-to-play, uh, less boring activity? Because as John said, he, he came up as a catcher. He played infield. He was a natural uh, at first base and probably defensively even better than Reese Hoskins is after years at the position. But it's hard for me, and this might be recency bias because of how the last series went, he does give you good at-bats. He does work the pitcher. When he's hot, he can be as hot as anybody in baseball. Uh, He would give Bryce Harper that true four-hole hitter protection in the lineup. Uh, So my gut right now says I want Reese back, but if Bryce says I want to play first base, which I would kind of find a little surprising, being the leader of the team and kind of having his emotional fingertip on the pulse of the locker room and what Reese means to that team. I, and I, I don't know Bryce, <laughs> so I'm just guessing, but I would find it weird for him to say, 
yes, I want to play first base if he knows that the guys want Reese back and Reese wants to be back. I would think he goes whatever is best for the direction of the team. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you kind of get similar vibes from Bryce? Yeah, Bryce gives off the vibes. And I do know Bryce, Nigel. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) But Bryce, if you want to be friends. (laughs) I mean, if you would like to be friends. You live right across the bridge. Your number three, my favorite number is three. We've got a lot of similarities. My daughter Paige loves you. Look, I'm even wearing your T-shirt. Oh, wow. And my daughter Paige said, that's my guy this morning. (laughs) Come on, Bryce. Let's be friends. Come on, Bryce. Let's be friends. (laughs) With me. I'm wearing your shirt. (laughs) My daughter Paige said, that's my guy. Oh, that's precious. I do love the fact that we're matching, by the way. I wanted to call that out. We've matched a couple times now. Completely accidental. Did not plan it. And we're literally wearing the exact same colors again. Um, But I do feel the vibe that Bryce is a very team first guy. And everything he's ever said or done shows me that. And so I imagine he'll say whatever's best for the team. Um, But it does lead to a lot of questions. I know it's will take a a a, a deeper look into free agents and options because if it's it, it's a puzzle yeah if you're moving if you're not moving Bryce what are you moving obviously Nick is, is a player that people have talked about Alex struggled um, Rojas we know struggled at the plate you know what pieces are you moving because offensively this team does in my opinion need to figure out how to be better with getting hits does that mean you need to bring in three new guys and dish out three no I'm not saying that's the case but it is worth analyzing okay which minor changes because this team is so close last year they were close you bring in Trey huge addition until he wasn't um you know there's there's changes that need to be made so I would imagine Bryce is saying what's best for the team and I'd love to have Reese out there he's absolutely best for the team I agree with you Sean and then you still have flexibility no Sean's asking is he best for oh the team? I didn't there was no question mark um, yeah but my bad. Said, that is but the question is yes. Reese really best I, for the know, team that's I have the question read it. all I read was I, Reese really is best for the team I, you know I don't know but like coming off of that series and watching Alec Bohm just get abused and them th- not throwing Bryce Harper anything in games three through six well basically seven yeah um and the effect that had on Bryce then feeling like he had to take over the game and start chasing. And I kind of just think it threw him out of rhythm. Uh, you know, Bohm obviously came through in game seven. But, you know, one of the things I've thought about this week is how different is that series and the Diamondbacks pitch approach if you have a true protection behind Bryce where you're forced to throw to him. Uh, Sean, I, I you know I think it's fair to question it. Yeah. I love him too. Uh, his defense is atrocious. Bryce is already better at first uh, than he is. But if if Reese isn't your four hole hitter protecting Bryce next year, who is? Because Alec Baum to me isn't a cleanup hitter. Mm-mm. JT Realmuto is like a perfect five hole hitter for yeah. me. Again, not really a four-hole hitter. Even Nick, honestly. No, is, Nick's is not a, really a four-hole no, hitter. No, I'm saying he's a solid. Yeah. You're you not, don't, you don't want him that. high. Yeah, Bryson, JT, Nick, I feel like are in a good spot. And it, fe- it feels like we are missing that number four. But then when you – if if it's Reese coming Put back in Schwarber on the defensive there. side. I, I mean, I would – I would tinker with the lineup. I'm not bringing this up because I I beat a dead horse or feed a fed horse. Sorry, PETA. Uh, (laughs) And Tyler hates it because Tyler thinks he's a leadoff hitter. Um, So (laughs) I'm not trying to bring that up again. I don't even know. But, like, you do have that possibility of rearranging the order. Like, to me, if you had Turner and Stott at the top of your lineup, and I know Stott's numbers aren't great, but and Turner only got, like, 14 games, that you do have – like, you don't have to be locked into the lineup that they trotted out this year. You can no. – 
tinker and put Stott and Turner up and maybe Merck make Harper Schwarber, uh, you know, three through five hitters. Like, you know, these are all things and conversations I'm sure they're going to be having down there because it affects the entire offseason. You know, my thought process is bringing in having Reese back gives you flexibility that the Phillies did not have this postseason. We we were scratching our head wondering, okay, Alec Bohm is struggling. What What is the adjustment? So having Reese in the lineup gives you a chance that depending on what the matchup calls for, if you need to have more of an offensive you know, batting order. It, it's Reese. It's and and Rojas is out. Maybe if you need to switch things up, let's say Bohm's struggling. I don't know. You can tinker. You can move things around. I'm I'm all for just having more depth in the sense that down the stretch when nobody could hit the ball, we could not figure out what to do. Who's the guy? How can we get hits? How can we get better at bats? So I would love to be able to have just on the off-season focus something, whether it's name changes or game changes in terms of tactics, something to allow the Phillies to be better at bats. And I think right now that Alec Bohm is clean up, as we all agree, not, not good, not good in the four-hole. And you need to have options besides Bryce, Kyle, Trey's very finicky. Stott's very finicky. JT and, and Nick are all of You need someone that's more consistent. So I don't know. I think it's I, it's a question that we will continue to talk through for sure yeah, because it's not an easy answer. It, that's why we don't that's why we don't have well, the jobs. I, I may have I do. may have cracked Tyler. <laughs> I may have cracked Tyler. Tyler wrote up on our, our screen here in a perfect world, and I agree with this, it's Stott, Turner, Harper, Schwarber. Yeah, Go I, ahead, I, don't, I don't know what world you live in, but it's not perfect. So like in, in, <laughs> In the MLB The Show world, yes. that's the bad Yeah, order. because Bryce right, can give you a great at-bat to lead off a agree. game and maybe see eight to ten pitches out of the starting pitcher, and he can get on base, and he gives you great at-bats. Yeah, I, I don't disagree, but this is not a perfect world. And well, this I'm is trying not to a, make so it a perfect world, you, Tyler. You, <laughs> the, the way that this lineup operates at its at its peak, Schwarber's still your leadoff hitter. I, I don't disagree with you. Like, in a, in a, in a vacuum... Bryson Stotts, your leadoff hitter, Trey Turner hits two, and you don't have to worry about this conversation. But when you have an, a manager that feels more comfortable with Schwarber and you have a hitter in Schwarber who feels more comfortable I, being your leadoff I hitter. Don't, I, don't, I don't care. Like, it, I, but, but it, but it and I know it's results. successful. And for two years now, you know, it's always that. Well, Kyle's most comfortable there. I don't, I don't care. Is, is it successful when we're well, sitting at home right now? It's a, great, it's a great question. Like, what do we define as success is my question. Because well, I think if you're in the I final think, four every year, it is to a degree successful. Dave some, Dombrowski said yesterday. What that means to me is something is working and something is not. So yes, there, when I you agree. look at the two years, yes, it's successful because you break a playoff drought, you get to the World Series, you get to the NL. NLCS this year, but something's not successful because you didn't win at all. And that's what the ultimate obvious goal is. So there means there needs to be something, as Sean is saying, not successful yeah, enough. Totally. Like it's more successful. But that's why I feel like this is a great time to really Take, take a step back, look at things bigger picture, and not focus on what did or didn't work, who's comfortable here, who's comfortable where. Okay, bigger picture, where do we think that we can have the best at-bats, the best order? That way we're not getting one, two, three outs. Yeah, I, you I, know? Mean, and I think it's simple. I think Trey Turner and Bryson Stott at the top of your order allow you to get that three, four, five kind of as good as you can get. Um, it's it is a really interesting discussion, and I, you know, as Barbara Carroll says, That's he a has point. a mental problem hitting anywhere but leadoff. But <clears throat> at leadoff, he still only hits 190. 
but he's also had the most home runs in the NL the last two years. And do you want to mess with that? Um, you know, and is before it about this, what's best for Kyle or what's best for the team? Yeah, I mean, like, is, is he still going to hit 190 in the four hole? Like, I don't think his home runs are going to disappear. He's still going to. And let's not act like this postseason, him being on base in certain situations, his lack of speed on the base pass didn't affect the way Dusty Watham and Rob Thompson managed. Charlie looked um, like he was going to lap him at one point. Yeah, <laughs> Trey was literally like on his heels, like, come on, buddy. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, you know, that that is a part of the leadoff position in this new analytical world of baseball that kind of gets discredited. Um, you know, if, if Jimmy Rollins didn't have speed on the base pass in 2007 through 11, are they the same team? Probably not. You know, like, speed on the base pass is something huge. Look at Corbin Carroll and Kettle Marte. In games six and seven, anytime they got on base, they were pretty much stealing. Yeah. And in the playoffs, once you get a runner in scoring position, they only had one extra base hit in game seven. It was 11 hits, only one of them extra base hits. That speed on the base pass allowed them to apply pressure mm. to the Phillies pitchers, allowed them for their sphincters to get tight, uh, as you love when I say that, Renee. I know you do. Uh, but, like, I, I can't. As we reflect back and, and, you know, try to talk about going forward a little bit, I can't think that that's not a real thing. Uh, that I'd like to see changed. And uh, maybe it's just because they didn't win. I'm reverting back to my old ways that Schwarber's not a leadoff hitter, but here I am. Yeah, there are a couple factors. Obviously, the financial side, it is a business, sadly. So money is a big priority as well of who can you afford? What, is, what does that look like? Um, I know Lockwood just saying you think Nola should be the priority, but we might bet a luck there. He's going to get paid. Just don't know if we can afford him. Yeah, um, they can Greg, afford you're him. saying There's I feel no bad cap. for the guys. They definitely cared a whole lot. I think a meditation coach is in order. <laughs> um, you know, I think to, to me it's yes there's financially what makes sense but I'd love to see how this team can have a little bit more flexibility and and that's in the, depending on what the game calls for to be able to to match it or to be able to have a you know a tactical plan going in whether it's on the defensive side or on the hitting side that you can execute. And it just felt like things got stale. It felt like things got predictable, that everybody else was able to make those adjustments, looking at Arizona specifically, able to make adjustments. And the Phillies, when we were talking on the show and even hearing them talking, it's like, well, what do you realistically do? So there's got to be a change. And I, I do like what Rojas brings. I think Rojas is a good option for what he brings in center field. Sure. But you do have to make sure, okay, there might be some games where it's not Rojas in the lineup to start. And it is somebody else. Yeah, but maybe you don't having Pache or a, a true center field right, platoon. But like Cave and oh, Soto and like ya. these can't be be the guys that are in the conversation for oh maybe we'll put one of them in the in, in the starting line it's got to be it's we got to up the middle I feel like it's what's missing like we we know what Bryce is going to give we know what Zach's going to bring on the mound and Ranger on the mound we know what our top guys bring it's that middle group that I feel like needs to be improved mm -hmm. like Nick JT and Stott up and down. Well, Can we have somebody like a tear up? I, I feel like Reese brings that at bat. Another thing that's crossed my mind is if Reese does come back and Bryce goes back to right field, do you look to move Castellanos? Um, I don't know exactly what he'd bring you in return um, because there is still two that's years and, and $50 million attached to it. I like Nick. Uh, I like his attitude. I like Liam. I like the whole family. They seem great. They did an awesome thing with the t-shirt charity. I'm not saying this because I want to move on from him, but I do wonder. 
uh, if it's something you consider. Um, and we'll, we'll get into more of what Dave yeah. Dombrowski said in a minute here. Uh, but I got to tell you what I'm doing tonight because I'm excited. I'm mentally checking out of the sports world. Oh, I yeah. sat through a Sixers game last night. Uh, but I am going to a concert tonight, and I am here to tell you for the first time, I proudly use the Game Time app, and I want you to, too. Use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Uh, game Time is awesome. I, you know, I had reserved tonight for the World Series Game 1, so I didn't buy tickets to one of my favorite shows, My Morning Jacket, just up the street. Uh, and when the Phillies went out of it and I got out of my funk, I said, I'm going to go to the Game Time app and get some tickets last minute uh, because it's your, it's your best app for your favorite events and you're not going to be stressed out. It's a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I love it. It's better than all the other ones. It's cheaper. It's faster. It's just as, as effective and more efficient. They have flash deals on last-minute tickets, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in the area, uh, image of the seat view, which is always uh, helpful, especially when you're looking at music venues. Uh, it's the fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. It was fast as hell two taps and you're set tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code phly for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code phly for 20 dollars off download download the game time app today last minute's tickets lowest price guaranteed be like me and tyler's mom and use game time app to go to your favorite concerts you and Tyler's mom. About my mom. <laughs> yeah. I am. that was like a weird yes. be like me and Tyler's mom yes we're, well because we're smart we're using game time we got $20 off that basically takes care of your convenience fees for yeah, you know your first event so uh, hop in there use that code $20 off yeah. uh, I'm excited tonight to uh, not watch sports yeah yeah <laughs> I know it's it's you need that you need to take a step back every once in a while and uh, get a break because it's been a lot. It's definitely been a lot to digest and process. I know in the chat you guys are talking about um, some other decisions, possibly trading Nick. Sean, you're saying um, you're right, Matt. Before the NLC, the NLCS game, his two and seven stock was high. Then he was an All Star. Yeah, he set like it, records. He has know? hit like records, and then he hit some other records for uh, some frustration of going hitless in the last six games of the series. Um, Rojas was essentially an out every time, without a doubt. Well, that look, was here's killing the thing too with, many innings. With Rojas, like, the defense is, <coughs> like, this guy's going to be a, a three or four war player in baseball just from his defense alone. Yeah. Uh, he was overmatched in the playoffs, clearly. Uh, but he's also, you know, extremely young, extremely wet behind the ears. I can't really, like, roast him for his at-bats yeah. in the playoffs in the biggest stage because he's so young, because he's so new to this. So, like, the hope with him is you, you just think, all right, how do we get him better? And you start working at that. But you might have a, uh, a plethora of outfielders. You know, Christian Pache, Dave Dombrowski said they like a lot. Uh, do you make them a platoon? And if so, is Brandon Marsh your left fielder? These are all, mm -hmm. you know, the things you have to think about here as, 
you know, the Aaron Nola and Reese Hoskins decisions loom. Well, I also like the note about Dave Dombrowski talking about the approach of the plate not being what people think. And I, it's I not about home runs, too. more about doubles, which he I said know. if he had his choice, he would take a doubles hitting team over a home run t- right. hitting team. He was like, basically, that narrative that all we do is swing for home runs isn't what we preach. And we talked about this on the show yesterday. We've talked about this on plenty of shows. I'm all for that, too. I just think that this whole everybody just says, like, this is a home run team. This is a home run team. That home runner bust mentality needs to stop because it's there's more to baseball than just hitting home runs. You know, it's like you I said this analogy yesterday, Jamie. I'm going to use it again, Tyler. Um, Everybody says how difficult hitting is, how you can't, you know, it was just a bad game. Couldn't hit the ball. That happens over and over again because you're just swinging for home runs versus trying to just get on base and to me it's like continuing to run in traffic and say well the cars are just fast yeah and i got hit because they're too fast no you can make an adjustment you don't have to keep getting punched in the face you don't have to keep getting the same type of results same types of losses so i love to hear that dombrowski was talking about the approach is not just home runs it's about getting doubles it's about getting on base it's about keeping the inning alive essentially so yeah that's something i need that needs to be reinforced i know uh, you guys are talking about the pitching we will get into that as well but on the hitting side offensively it, it, there needs to be something better than just, oh, we couldn't hit the ball today, so we lost. Oh, we couldn't hit the ball today, so we lost again and again and again for now two postseasons of having that drop-off of inability to hit and get a, a run. Yeah, or, I, I, or think, uh, <clears throat> I think Bryce was swinging for the fences, but outside of that, I don't think swinging for the fences was the problem in this series. I think it was pitch selection that was the problem. Uh, Trey and Bohm and Castellanos and Turner, you know, late in the series we're swinging at garbage and kudos to the diamondbacks they made an adjustment to start throwing them garbage uh, because they clearly got the sense that the phillies were chasing and maybe maybe a little in their own head so you know i think uh i think the plate approach has to be better and i don't know how you do that now the phillies made a move yesterday dombrowski (laughs) talked about it i i find this hard to believe uh, they moved on from bullpen coach Dave Lundquist and assistant hitting coach hmm. Jason Camille. Um, he mentioned, you know, well, we've already made a, a move uh, in terms of the direction of both. And somebody in the chat said, I don't think it was the bats. I think it was the bullpen. We'll get into that in a second, too. Uh, don't really disagree because I think going to Craig Kimbrell in games three and four pretty definitely, much decided the series. Definitely. I, 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 I guess somebody had to be the scapegoat. I don't really see how an assistant hitting coach is going to fix uh, approaches at the plate. Uh, I, I guess maybe they're just offering some blood up <laughs> to us uh, as a sign that they know things need change. But I, I really don't think um, that means a whole lot. An assistant hitting coach? Like, okay, I, I assistant guess. Assistant hitting coach. Yeah, like. Bullpen coach. Okay, I think what got me the most was the statement of when it, when it was released, um, the rest of the major league coaching staff will, re- will return to the 2024 Major League Baseball season. So I think what I have an issue with is this, and I, and I know it's because of the Phillies' past. Don't get me wrong. The way the team was managed prior to Rob Thompson was very all over the place. Players didn't know, you know, guys didn't know where they were going to be in the batting order or, or anything like that. It was, it was a lot of instability. But I feel like it's gone too far the other way of we're going to 
we're going to do all we can to pacify things and we don't want to upset anybody. We don't want to change bone out of Emotional the floor because we don't want to upset anybody. Upset anybody. But we don't want to we don't want you guys thinking that your jobs could possibly be lost. So we're going to make the statement that the rest of the 20, you know, the rest of the staff is coming back for 2024. You know, it's to, part of sports is that pressure knowing that you have you might have to you might lose your role you've got to compete you've got to perform or else your your job whether you're a coach or you're a player might be up so to have these like overly sensitive statements of well everybody will be back next year it's october 26 that you're making this statement who knows what could change in the next months you know to, to make a statement like this to me, it seems like you are just so busy trying to stroke everybody's egos, make sure everybody's feeling okay, make sure nobody's feeling scared or nervous about their job, that you're going to come out and make a, a statement like this. Whereas if you had just, just left it as these are the decisions we've made, we're going to continue to evaluate this offseason about what's best for the club moving forward. Totally get it. That, to me, makes sense. But I just feel like Rob and all the way through Dombrowski gives me the vibes as well, trying so hard to make sure – we don't want anybody feeling nervous. We don't want anybody feeling scared. We don't want to upset anybody's feelings. And that's not sports. That's not the corporate world we live in. At any moment, somebody could come in and say, your job is gone. That's the world that we live in. So you know, day after day after day, you absolutely have to perform. You have to make sure you're always doing your best. And I'm not saying these guys don't know they have to do their best, but it just to me feels like we're you're you're trying too hard to walk on eggshells almost. Like well, one if of those... Alec Bohm's struggling, let's talk about actually moving him out of the four hole. Even if you don't do it, talk about, you know, we're gonna reevaluate, we're gonna take a look at things and see what's best. Just dangling that thought out there might in itself pressure him to step up, just like it did Nick in September. He was better when when he made the move in the batting order. So I'm all for every once in a while you do have to apply some pressure and see how people handle it. It's not a scary tactic it's not manipulative it's business it's sports it's also because you same need the best out of babe. people it's not personal you need the best same thing with kyle everyone's like oh well kyle doesn't yeah, like i don't to care be what he's comfortable of, with he only, anymore he likes to be lead off okay and i like to win a million dollars i'd like to be sitting on a beach every day can i do that no that's not the way this world works well so, one of those things that's going to be a decision that they're also going to talk about in this offseason is do you let rob thompson go into the final year of his contract uh, a quote-unquote lame duck manager uh, typically that's not something that's done for a guy the, that has made a World Series in an NLCS game seven in his first two years um, so I fully expect them to offer him an additional year uh, and probably kick the can down the road to another two-year deal guarantee some money for him that's what I'm expecting I, and to be honest with you, while I had a couple problems here and there with Rob's decisions, uh, i.e. Craig Kimbrell, um, maybe not pitting, pinch hitting for Rojas there with the bases loaded, a couple other things in the bullpen, uh, I think he's a pretty good baseball manager. I know Craig Council is going to be a free agent, and the Mets are probably going to go hard after him. He's a very good manager. Uh, but I'm I'm totally fine with Rob Thompson getting an additional year uh, because that's probably something, you know, they're going to look at. And Rob was asked about it, and he said what you said, like, you know, I've never, I've never worried about my contract. I've never thought about my contract. I kind of just put my head down and do my job. Uh, he said it's not something he's concerned about. 
but typically a manager with that success doesn't get a lame duck year. So I'm, I'm curious um, if that gets done here before maybe the winter meetings or maybe, you know, maybe relatively soon, because I, I do think Rob's a pretty good manager. Yeah, he's, you know, uh, Jonathan, you're saying what I'm trying to say. That's a good way. To, he's, Rob seems like he's playing too nice, stepdad role. I do at times, I, I like the decisions, like when we talked about in the postseason, um, you know, Rob at times was playing chess. Rob at times was working the bullpen. It, everything was, was smooth. The team was looking great. I think it's just, to me, it's when... It's always when things go bad, because that's when you really contest the true character and, and the true identity of anybody, any team. Everybody can be great when, when you're smashing balls out of the ballpark, but what happens when you have back-to-back games, game three, game four, where it comes down to decisions of putting Craig Kimberlin? in? What happens then? And it's just, to me, too nice at and times. And he did say he wants some decisions back that he made. And that's what I, when right. I say that both of them I felt <clears throat> were very truthful yesterday. I, I, you know, Rob said, yeah, there was a couple bullpen decisions I would like to have back. And I think he's 100% talking about Craig Kimbrell. And I don't think we're going to see Craig Kimbrell in a Phillies uniform again. Uh, so hopefully that one just can be buried. In. Yeah. I mean, he screwed up. He shouldn't have gone he to Kimbrell in high leverage spots in games three and four. And uh, and that goes back to pulling Ranger and Christopher Sanchez too early. I don't think either of those guys deserved to be pulled when they did. And that's probably when you lost the series. It does go back to, um, you know, what you measure as success, what you learn from this. Um, you know, I, I think to me... With the past two seasons, with how, what the Phillies have accomplished, he has bought himself time without a doubt. And I do, to me, it's next year. Okay, it's fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Now, the second time, take, you take accountability. He's, he's already admitted some things. I still don't love everything he's said so far, but it's fine. He's Rob. You know, I'm not going to agree with everything. That's fine. But I would love to see moving forward what year what next year looks like and if it's it's brett brown in 20 what was it 2020 so 2019 the season before his in his sixth season that to me is what rob is heading into this year like if rob goes into this upcoming year and it's the same issues so i think like you can you can say okay last year as we all know a magical season philly has really surprised people and got further than a lot of people expected this year underachieved in that a lot of people were expecting to get to the World Series, but still had a great season, especially when you look at the, the overall bigger picture. So now it's a matter of this is two years in a row where you've had the same issues in the postseason that kept you from winning it all. Can you make that adjustment? If not, a bigger adjustment needs to be made around Topper because he is very nice. And yeah. nice I, only gets you – nice guys finish last. It only gets you so far. Canadians, <laughs> stop being so nice. You don't have to be nice all the time. Just, and Matt Deckard says, Jason Sark said – uh, pulling Sanchez didn't come from Topper, and and look, that's that's something Dave Dombrowski knows because the analytical department within the Phillies does make some of these lineups, does make some of these decisions. Um, so you know, I think Rob Thompson does a pretty good job of straddling like baseball gut versus analytics and what they're telling you. Uh, so yes, that's something internally they know. Um, I'm sure Rob. Would, and Jason, if Jason Stark says it, it's, it's gospel because uh, he's one of the greatest people to ever cover baseball that come through this town. Um, you know, that's 
probably one that he would want back. I'm sh- because Christopher Sanchez was not pitching bad. He had let up what like two soft he singles. He hadn't pitched in weeks. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, they, they they clearly had a hard pitch count on him, uh, and that's something that probably came from above Topper's head. But uh, to go to Jeff Hoffman in the third inning, um, you know, and I know Tyler gets uneasy when we talk about leverage. It was a big leverage spot, uh, but Hoffman was the guy there, and he just kind of burned the bullpen out. And then all of a sudden in the eighth and ninth innings, it's like, ah, shit, we got to go to Kimbrel. That's all we got left. Uh, and one of those guys is Taiwan Walker and Dombrowski and Rob yesterday. I know you and Tyler talked about the tweets and the pettiness. He, you know, he posted a picture in the gym this morning uh, working out. Good. He's, that's yeah. what you should be doing. Uh, but Dombrowski and Rob were both asked about it, and they both, um, you know, did the proper leadership <clears throat> technique of – you know, we love when a guy has passion and he's upset because he's not getting the ball. Dombrowski went on to say, look, he's not a relief pitcher. He takes too long to get warmed up. If you look at his numbers in the first inning this year, it was like a 7 ERA, uh, and then he would kind of settle in. He did get you 15 wins, but the bullpen was not really a place for him. And Rob said, no, I love him as a competitor. I love him. I'm going to call him. The, the relationship is not fractured, and I don't think it's fractured at all. Um, but both those guys, I thought, honest it, uh, answered it honestly. Um, and the question then remains to me, well, why was he on the roster? That's my question. Yeah, like, I, why did you waste a spot on him if you knew he wasn't a bullpen arm? Ding, ding, um, ding. I always thought whatever the Christopher Sanchez game, the two of them were going to be tied at the hip. Um, that's why I thought he was on the roster, whether Taiwan started or Sanchez started. I actually think Sanchez deserved to start. But I thought, all right, if Sanchez has a hard pitch count here of, say, 50 pitches, then you start warming Taiwan up at, you know, his 30th pitch. And hopefully he's ready to come in in that middle relief, you know, innings eater type of role. He wasn't, so it begs the question, uh, why the hell was he on the roster? That's my question. When we talked about it yesterday, it was the same thing. I agree. I know Tyler was sharing the exact same stats you were. He, his ERA of, you know, especially first innings, not good. And despite having 15 wins, those numbers are very misconstrued. But my thing is, why is he on the roster at all? Especially since you didn't have Lorenzen on the roster in the first round. Lorenzen gets brought onto the roster, and you still keep Walker. And there's no reason to have him there knowing he's not even in the bullpen. He's not even an option. So why is he there to be a cheerleader when you could have somebody else possibly? I don't know who, but somebody else brought in. So I know that we've got some other people here in the chat. Welcome in, Daniel Wren, Jim Montgomery. Yeah. Uh, Nice to have you guys. Smash that like button, bros. As you guys are here, definitely. Oh, wow, okay. As you're here, Smash definitely. That like, bro. I was going to do the same thing. <laughs> Make sure you're hitting the like button. Make sure you're joining in the conversation. And uh, while you're here, actually, let me tell you about a great spot you can get some cool shades. That's Shady Rays. Shady Rays is great to gear up for the season, any season summer, winter, fall, spring. They've got some great sunglasses and uh, eyewear you can rock year round with polarized shades and some snow goggles. So as we're near, the winter season as things are starting to cool off um, and you want to hit the slopes you want to go out with the kiddos to go uh, build some snowmen I don't know what you want to do in the snow but you've got snow goggles for that Shady Rays is the place to do it so you guys can now take advantage of our deal using that code PHLY allows you to buy get 50% off when you buy two or more polarized sunglasses awesome deal what makes it even better is if you lose one of those pairs of sunglasses or you break one Shady Rays will send you a replacement right away they're very good about that and uh, unlike some other sunglasses but when you lose them they're gone that's not the case for Shady Rays and not only does Shady Rays have all the great 
sunglasses and eyewear over at ShadyRays.com. You also have the trust of knowing that 250,000 plus people have rated them with five stars. So a lot of people have been enjoying Shady Rays and you can too. Awesome. Daniel says, I wish we still had Matt Veerling. Uh, yeah, I hear you. Uh, you know, Soto was just okay for you this year. I didn't think he was terrible. Didn't think he was great. Uh, he went to Detroit in that deal. Matt Veerling was a it was a great bench piece. Uh, I miss Gene Segura, too. <laughs> I miss Mean Gene. I always love that guy. Mean uh, Gene. But I do think upgrading a bench bat um, is, is an important part of this offseason. It does seem like the past couple years... Um, it's kind of gotten neglected a little bit, and maybe I, I, I don't know about Pache being like your top bat off the bench. I would like to go kind of get. You don't like Pache and Cave as your your no, one and okay. two. I, <laughs> I would be better. Yeah, I know. I would be better <laughs> if they were two and three, and you got like a true professional veteran um, contact hitter yeah. as you, as your top bat off the bench, because let's not forget how important Greg Dobbs was in 2007 and eight. Um, it, it can be a big role for a team. Mm-hmm. Um, so just going through some of the other notes here, I have of Dombrowski and Rob talking to the media yesterday. Uh, we talked about the approach of the plate. That's not what they preach is home runs every time. Uh, Dombrowski did say they're going to be aggressive in pursuing Aaron Nola. Uh, you know, Matt Deckard in the chat earlier said money's not going to be an option when it comes to that. Uh, I kind of believe that. Uh, Andrew Painter is not going to be available next year. Uh, Griff McGarry and Mick Abel might have a shot uh, at that five, but you're not really going to want to count on them as a top of the rotation type of guy. Yamamoto, uh, the kid from Japan, the Phillies have scouted. Um, again, don't really know how he's going to translate to Major League Baseball. So do you want to count on somebody like that to be your two? Uh, I think the Aaron Nola decision because of the postseason became an interesting one. I think uh, yeah. if you had asked every Phillies fan at the end of August, beginning of September, do you want to re-sign Nola? I'm speculating that his market is probably going to be in the 170 to $190 million category. Uh, somewhere in there, he he reportedly turned down 180, I believe, from the Phillies last year, uh, thinking he could improve upon that. I don't think he really improved upon that, uh, but he did keep himself in that category. Renee, gun to your head right now. Do you re-sign Aaron Nola for let's say let's call it 180 million dollars? Why? Why? Well, These are the decisions all, I'm that have to be made. I, I'm, I'm doing surpri- it. It's not my money. I'm, nah, I'm surprised. Spend to hear, away, John. Milton. I am surprised to hear about Painter actually. Um, but there's for, no reason to rush him. You know, yeah, with the Tommy yeah, John, he's so, not even going to be ready to start. He'll probably start a throwing program in maybe late spring it's a shame. training. It's really, it's sad to see. It does suck. Um, yeah, but, but better now than later. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. it was going to happen. Um, Aaron Nola, I don't know because I. Okay, there's there's a lot of factors here besides money. I think he loves it here, honestly. And if not Nola, who? That's a great question. And that's that's where I'm concerned of like. Do I want to spend you big bring money? Nola? Do you take? Excuse me. Do you move Nola? And you who do you bring in? That's going to be your number well, two they, guy. They, 
Blake Snell and Aaron Nola are the top two. The free agent pitching class is kind of direct this year. It's Blake Nola and Aaron Nola. And this is something we'll get more into over the weeks because I Blake, love yeah. uh, MLB Hot Stove uh, and talk and what lineups can be and what rotations can be. Uh, it's not really good. You know, Marcus Stroman, Clayton Kershaw, yeah. uh, Ryu, Charlie Morton, Lance Lynn, Adam Wainwright. Like, all right. Liam Hendricks or Kyle Hendricks. Uh, throw us I, in I'm there. good. Uh, so Aaron Nola is going to be at the top <laughs> of the market. It's not my money. I would re-sign him right now just because I think it keeps you stable. And Zach Wheeler is Kyle or Tyler. Is he entering his final year or does he have two left? I think he has two left, doesn't he? I think it's two. Wheeler? Yeah, Wheeler. Uh, it was a five-year deal. So he has two left. Yeah. Um, okay. I thought it was two. I think it's two. I don't know. I think he might be up at the end it of 24. It might be. My gut says okay. I'll look at that real well, quick. While you're looking but, at that, like, I think... To keep the stability of the rotation, yeah. I'm almost for it. So after the ups and downs of Nola this season... One would maybe think move Nola, but as we're talking about, you if you're moving Nola, you've got to make sure you have a better option coming in. Now, I do feel like Ooh. Nola wasn't the lone. It is the last year of Zach Wheeler oh, coming man. up, so that does ah. that does impact Ugh. the decision, you know. Nola does want to be here. That's not a reason to keep him. Um, you have to look at performance, and I think that Zach Wheeler, Ranger. And even Christopher Sanchez have, to me, locked in. I would say Nola I like, but what needs to change is actually I'd rather you make a change around Craig and around the relievers oh, and, a cl- and closer. That's versus, something they talked about. Yeah, versus Nola. Because I don't – as much as Nola was frustrating at times, you look at uh, game six, he was out there starting. He had a drop-off after that strong first inning. As much as that's frustrating, it's the not side. the lone – it's not the lone issue. The main issue in the bullpen came down the stretch um, because it was it was Craig. I think Orion. You give Orion now a full year. I love to see what yeah, he can do with a full be year. A big part. So I think to me the bullpen shaping up has to come. Like it wasn't starting. It was how they finished that was the issue. Yeah. That so I think there was, was a major drop off. I think it was Daniel. Um, uh, David Murphy, excuse me, I don't know why I said Daniel. Uh, David Murphy <laughs> asked Dave Dombrowski about that. He said, you know, the bullpen, um, can you count on certain guys now that you're pitching late into years? Right. Uh, you know, and Alvarado got hurt this year. Sir Anthony got hurt this year. He's like, can you <laughs> count on these guys the later and later they go into the postseason? And, you know, the question was all about the bullpen. And Dave Dombrowski said, you know, look, I don't think we need that all-star level big money guy to be the closer. He said, one, there's not a lot of them in baseball. Uh, and two, he said, you know, I'm pretty comfortable with a lot of the arms we have back there. He's obviously going to add to it. Uh, but to me, it's it's pretty simple. Jose Alvarado is your closer. Uh, and then, you know, maybe go get some good German blood cycling for Sir Anthony, so maybe some HGH, whatever yeah. he needs. Uh, I do like Sir Anthony still. Uh, and then you talk about Orion. He's can be added to the yeah. mix. Uh, and Jeff Hoffman, I think, deserves, you know, a little bit of money. I'm totally cool with giving him some coin. Uh, so I don't think the bullpen situation is dire. I think Kimbrell needs to hit the bricks. Uh, and then you probably look at, you know, that one other uh, veteran – Decent money guy, probably in that seven to ten million dollar range, uh, whether righty or lefty, depending on your needs. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I think you have a closer in Jose Alvarado. I've, I've seen yeah. enough from the guy. 
um, that I believe in him as a closer. Yeah, I mean, look, the good thing is it's not our money to spend, but if you Hell are yeah. looking to spend, spend your money, <laughs> if you are looking to spend your money, you can do so at FOCO, and FOCO is a place you can buy some merchandise to represent your teams as you're heading out to go to the stadiums, the arenas, whether it's Eagles, Flyers, Sixers, Union, Phillies, whoever it is you're purchasing to support. FOCO has all types of merchandise, shirts, overalls, bobbleheads, collectibles, whatever it is, they've got it. Uh, and you can use that code PHLY to get 10% off when you head over to FOCO to be able to rep your squad. Now, going back to the bullpen, to me, I my main issues with the bullpen was Craig. And it was just more Which who's is... being... I, I felt like the bullpen was so back and forth of the, with the quick hook that that to me was the frustration. So I don't, th- I don't think it was the personnel. I think it was the management of the bullpen. I know somebody Which said, is the manager's I want, toughest job is managing right. the bullpen. I know somebody mentioned, I want Nola out because he cried. And like I clarified on this show yesterday, I don't have a problem with the fact he cried. You are human. You can show emotion. Just not at that moment. We don't need you crying at that moment. You save those tears for when you leave the ballpark and you try to, you try to stifle those tears if you can. There's plenty of ways to do that. I told Tyler, you can pretend to be tying your, your, your cleats. Maybe you're going down, you're tying your cleats, you're really just wiping your tears away. You come back up, you regroup. So I don't have a problem with Nola or his tears. I just have a problem with the management of the bullpen. And I would like for, as you talk about, you take a look at all the names across the list. You've got steady starters, relievers, a closer in Alvarado. We love what Hoffman can bring. So now it's the other pieces. Okay, when you look at Craig, Orion, Lorenzen, Walker, who can you get something out of? You have a good Orion. Base. You yeah. can get something out of Orion. Okay, let's 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 invest in maybe a full year now of Orion, see what he can do at you know, with the team. And then on the other side, someone like Kimbrell's got to go. So I don't think it's an Aaron Nola issue. I think it's even Matt Strom. You know, take a look at the other Strom was guys. Really good this year. Right. You take a look yeah. at the other guys because that's where the drop-off was. When we were scratching our heads going, holy crap, who's coming in now? Yeah. Zachler having to pitch as a reliever for the first time in a long time. Who, who do we have now? You need stronger relievers and closers, and it's not a NOLA situation specifically. So Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was interesting. I thought Dombrowski said that. You know, uh, He said he believes Trey Turner is going to be a more uh, effective defensive player next year. He said he doesn't really know what to chalk that up to other than just kind of getting in a new stadium, a new city, a new ballpark, and kind of settling into your role, your contract. He thinks maybe there was a little bit too much going on between the ears. Uh, you know, I thought it was overall a pretty pretty interesting discussion from both of them yesterday. Uh, but we have tons to get into this offseason. Mm-hmm. The Phillies' di- direction, and look, that maybe this is the soy boy in me uh, coming out of the darkness of anger and sadness the last three days. Uh, John's, you know, who joined us earlier, said it's a little early to kind of get there. Well... Maybe that's the way I rationalize, but I am going, all right, like, that really sucked. That really hurt. I'm not going to get over that for a long time. But they're going to be a World Series contender again next year. I fully believe that. They should um, be. They will be. They will be. And, you know, it's it's the direction of the offseason is going to go a long way in dictating that. Um, so there's going to be a lot to get into this offseason. Uh, we appreciate everybody in the chat, Barbara and Dan and Spiral Out and Jonathan and Barbara. Uh, oh, I said Barbara. Uh, <laughs> and Soto was a letdown. And can you scroll up, Tyler? Who said that? That was uh, Scott G. Yeah. Scott, I agree with you. That was kind of a letdown because you Definitely. gave up two good bench pieces to get him and just wasn't a big enough role. Uh, but, you know, the Sixers, 
tipped off last night, so you can check out the PHLY Sixers squad whenever you want to scratch that itch. The Flyers guys are in full swing. They got another win last night. They blew somebody out. Uh, and it is nice to fall back on a 6-1 football team. And if you want to bet on football this weekend, DraftKings has got your back. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet $5 on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweeter offer every game day this October and now into November. Uh, get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code PHLY. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code PHLY. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. And if you want to get involved in the World Series tonight, I personally can't, uh, but I do like the Rangers. Uh, just throwing that out there. Uh, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text... Text. Text Hope NY. <laughs> and Connecticut help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Very specific. Super That's, specific. What is that? Seven days? 14 days. 14 days. There we go. Very specific. Uh, uh, see sportsbook.com, draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Uh, quickly, our World Series predictions. I think we fell in at the same spot here uh, because uh, we both took Texas in six. Now, my thinking here was I wanted to say Texas in five, but I thought that was a little bit disrespectful to a pretty pesky pain in the ass Arizona Diamondbacks team. Um, so I am going to be a coward and I went with six. I don't think this series is going seven, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised by it either. So I, I kind of settled in the middle there, cowards away at six. I did not read your notes first and come to that uh, conclusion. Well, I'm, I'm never. I'm just being I, a coward. That's I know Spiralot is saying rooting for Arizona because the Phillies lost them. I'm, I'm never that person. Tyler and I were talking about it. And you guys will learn. I'm very savage. Am. I'm very savage and petty. And I have no problem being that person. And I do not root for the team that beat me. In fact, I want to see them get completely swept if possible Not and destroyed this um, so I, I don't care about the Diamondbacks having beaten the Phillies and now you want them to win so the Phillies no no because at the end of the day it's just not it's just not the Phillies so I'm going with Texas because I hope they can completely dominate the Diamondbacks and show that it was a fluke that they don't belong there and uh, I'm hoping the Rangers win in six I I feel like they are a really dangerous team they you know, they're they one of the more fun teams to watch outside of the Phillies. I do want to just say before we wrap up um, about the tears conversation, why am I the only one that is against the tears? I was thinking about this yesterday after the show. I don't the show. The tears. What were people I didn't saying? like I didn't when Joel Embiid cried. I didn't like when Aaron Nola cried. I wouldn't like if Bryce Harper cried. I wouldn't like if Jalen Hurts cried. I don't, I think the issue is, and I used to cry, and I say this as a person that cried in sports, it's just a matter of when you're doing it. It's not an issue to show emotion. There's nothing wrong with being upset. You feel like your time is coming to an end. You're mad that they lost. I understand that. 
be emotional but it's just where there's a time and place for everything and there's a way to do it and i just don't like the fact that we have you on camera crying because you're giving more ammunition to your opponent so i'm not against emotion or crying for the record Sounds um, like you are. i'm a very emotional person <laughs> I, I have no problem admitting i cry a lot especially when i've been you know watching some nice cheesy movies what, are or you something a hallmark i am yeah, i have even like I, I bought All out girls. my hallmark oh, i have a hallmark sweatshirt like a pajama set that i wear when i watch my hallmark movies <laughs> oh, my i brought God. that out yesterday and it's what time. do you what do you make for it yourself when you're says, watching hallmark like it's either hot, like go, hot go. chocolate or wine <laughs> <laughs> and i brought it out yesterday i'm like it's time for my hallmark wearing outfit absolutely yeah. but i'm an emotional person i'm not saying this as a rude person mm-hmm. i just think there's a time and a place for the emotions you save that for the pillow you save that for when there's no cameras on you as best as you can because sometimes you can't help it especially like you lose in the world series or a championship yeah. you get hurt you can't hide that emotion but Stop thinking I'm rude, guys. I'm I, not. I, I agree with Spiral out here who <laughs> says uh, the Phillies choked more than the Diamondbacks beat them. They did. I, you know, that might be a loser's way of thinking here, but I, I fully agree with you, Spiral. And I hope they go get beat up by yeah. Texas. And Lockwood's throwing out your line of uh, Corbin Carroll looks like L- Lord Farquaad. He does. From, uh, Shrek. He does. Mostly when he, he has a helmet on is what I see it the most. But he does look like Lord Farquaad from Shrek. If anybody's yeah. ever seen that, do a quick Google. But yeah, you know, we're just we're, we'll talk about this a lot more. Tears, Lord Farquaad, Screw the and, World and all types of things. But I'm not watching the World Series tonight. I'm gonna find myself a nice Hallmark movie and <laughs> absolutely be in my pajamas watching. So yes, I love that you love it too, Barbara. Yeah. Shout out to them if it they is. want somebody to talk about them and sponsor them. Who's the big Hallmark star these days? Isn't it uh, DJ Tanner? I'm not gonna say. No, There's a who few is of them. It? Isn't it? It is. It is DJ. DJ it's also Tanner, yeah. uh, Lacey. I forget what her last Lacey name is. Lacey Underall from Caddyshack. No, no, from Mean oh. Girls. Oh. The I just got super excited. Well, Caddyshack's a great movie. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. Wait, yeah. who from? Oh, I never. I told I Mean Girls once. Her last it's actually name pretty funny. Lacey Chereau. Lacey. Oh, Sur- is she the girl from Party of Five? I believe. Oh God, so. am I aging myself with Party of Five? Do you? Um, possibly. Jeez. Oh man. Shaber, Lacey Shaber. Let me see the I picture. Her. Do you recognize her? Yeah, she's the Party of Five girl. She was like a young daughter <laughs> in Party of Five, and now I'm gonna stop aging. Wait, myself. how do I know that movie? No, it's a, it was a TV show. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> I guess you were too young. Yeah. It Thank was, you. It is Lace Javier. <laughs> it was like the post 90210 Beverly Hills, like, you know, family teen drama. Oh, or yeah. Matthew okay. Fox was the dad, like the big brother. And no, the I don't know that show, clearly, because I thought it was a movie. Can we go home? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've never seen Lord Farquaad in the same room as um, as Corbin Carroll. Never seen Lace Javier in the same room as. Yeah. There's a couple. She's got to look like two. But well, yeah, that's all we got. Yeah. Thanks, Let's everybody, for tuning in. <laughs> you know, we'll get through it together. I. I'm starting to get a little excited about um, the offseason and the capability of improving this team uh, because there is a great base there, and the Phillies will be all right, and they will be competing for a World Series again next year. Uh, We just got to get out of the sadness first. Uh, Before we wrap up, though, (coughs) although we've come to the end of Did you know this was happening? Though I can't <laughs> let go. I saw you tweet it's out the lyrics. It's emotional. It's very emotional. You belong in the World Series. We belong in the World Series. Oh, I was 
told I can't sing well like because if I sound too. Before we get taken <laughs> off the air. I was told I can't sing too well because if I sound too much like Boyz Men, YouTube will flag us. So I purposely uh, had to sound bad, guys. Oh, okay. Don't worry, I really can sing, uh-huh. but I have to always sound bad when I sing so they don't flag us. That's all. Uh, all right. But yeah, um, that's all I got. That's how all I wanted right. to wrap up the show with some tunes to remind you it's the end of the road. Well, I'm gonna go listen to some good tunes tonight. It gets better from here, guys. We do have postseason shows. I know people were asking well, I mean, what I, shows to watch in the off season. You can watch us. Yeah. We're gonna we'll have fun. Daily. We're gonna be we're gonna just bring you a lot of everything. You in want the me to season. age myself again? I, rem- I remember buying a boys to men cassette tape. I had cassettes. Oh, you were okay. I you did. didn't miss cassettes. I All had right. cassettes, and I had a. Did Walkman. you record? Oh, of course. Did you record <laughs> off the radio on the cassettes? You were probably too young. No. Yeah, I used to make no. mixtapes, and I'd have, and you'd have to listen to the radio and be like, "Oh, I like this song. Hit record." You like the original mixtapes? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I didn't. I didn't actually. Yeah. Lockwood, you heard? Oh, if you missed it, don't worry, Lockwood. I'll sing again. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's all right. Uh, for Renee Washington for Tyler Zuli. That's all right. Thanks for tuning in to the PHLY <laughs> Phillies podcast. And, uh, we will be back on Monday, I believe, twelve thirty, right? Yes. 12.30 on Monday. We will be back. You can catch me this weekend on the Eagles pre and post game with Bo Wolf and Zach Berman. Uh, Eagles are going to destroy the commanders down in D.C. Um, And the Sixers looked all right last night, and the Flyers are hot. And the Union are going to win on Saturday as well. Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. We got a playoff game down in Chester at Subaru Park. So uh, make sure you're checking out Renee and JP and all the great guys working on the uh, Union show. We got a lot happening here and it's not going to stop just because we're hitting a postseason thanks to everybody for tuning in today have a great weekend to go outside touch some grass screw this world road. series this is the phly phillies podcast <laughs>